I, I coach my son's baseball team, and years ago, a couple years ago, he was, you know, eight and nine-year-olds. It was torture. It was just straight-up torture because there were no outs, people. There was no score kept. No one knew who won the game. And so both sides would just hit until everybody on the team hit. It was horrible. And the games went on forever and ever. I would literally start to have follicles regrowing. I'd be shaving at first, you know, like coaching first. Like, I mean, it just went on that long. And I kept thinking to myself, I just have to get through this season because next season, outs start. And we start to keep track of who wins, and there's playoffs, and there's championships, and, and I, if we get there, it's going to be so much better. And I, I remember the kids would come up to me, Coach Doug, who won? Who won? I'm like, you're all winners. Like, what a horrible, lame answer. Come on. Who won, right? That's a terrible answer. And, and, and this past year, we finally got to it. We got to outs and strikes, and we got to all that, and we got killed, man. We got, we got beat bad most often. And I remember thinking to myself, this was a lot more fun. We didn't keep track of who won. You know, like, this is so much better. We keep track of all that, right? But a big question in our minds and in our hearts is who wins? Who wins? Have you ever looked at life? You ever looked at the world around us? You just kind of said, who wins? Does God win? Right? Because our world's seeming darker and darker, isn't it? And some of the challenges we face in our own lives, sometimes it feels like are a little bit more difficult. And sometimes you're looking out around at the world and you're like, man, are we sure God has things under control? Are we sure at the end of the day, he wins? And maybe you're even looking at the church worldwide, not just our church, but you're looking at the church worldwide and you're thinking, man, we're facing some challenges. You know, the world's a little bit less Christian friendly than it used to be. Are we going to be okay? Like, does God win in all of this? And then you might even look at our church right here, right now and say, man, are we going to be okay? Here we are meeting in this school and we're portable and it seems a little bit different. Like, is our church going to be all right? Are we going to make it through this season? And maybe you're looking at your own personal life here today, and you're struggling with some stuff, man. You've got some guilt in your life. You've got some addiction in your life. You've got some doubt in your life. And, and you're thinking, man, am I going to be okay? Am I going to make it through all this? Does God win in my life? Today we're going to talk about those important questions, those, those thoughts, those fears, and some of those emotions. You see, the truth is, is as we look at the church, there are some challenges, right? As we look at our personal lives, there are some challenges. And what we have to remember, guys, is that we have a very real opponent, opponent named Satan in our lives. We have, to, we have to remember that we have this battle going on in our lives. Now, some of you guys, when I say the word Satan, you're thinking, oh, come on, really, Doug? You believe in the devil? Come on, it's 2018. Do we really still believe in that guy, right? Well, in this portion of my message, originally, I was going to share with you a story of something that happened this past week. I was going to share with you what one person did to another, what one human being did to another human being. But I decided not to share it. You know why? I didn't want to spotlight how horrific an act this person committed. And you know what? The reason I was going to share that is because I think a story like that proves there's a devil. Because you know what? In this room, we're a bunch of broken people, and we can do some bad things, can't we? But there are some things people do to other people that you look at and go, that is not human, man. A human, that, like, there's got to be something behind that. So yes, I absolutely believe in a devil, and a devil who is coming against the church, a devil who is coming against you and me, but we're not going to freak out about it. Because we're going to discover something really, really powerful today. But we have to remember the devil's always trying to throw stuff at us, man. The devil's always lobbing little grenades in, trying to mess up our relationship with God, trying to mess up the work of God here in our church and the church around the world. So let's talk about some of the things that Satan kind of throws at the church. You know what one of the things he throws at us? He throws division and offense at us, right? 
He tries to, to get us upset with one another. He tries to divide us apart from each other and, and tries to keep anger and unforgiveness in our hearts. And maybe that's where some of you are today. You're wrestling with some of this, and you, you're here in church today, but you're almost maybe wondering if it's your last time. You go, man, this is hard. It's hard to love others. It's hard to push through conflict. It's hard to forgive. Is it really worth it? I put myself out there, and I get hurt. I get taken advantage of. I get beaten up a little bit. Is it worth it, this whole church thing that Jesus started? You know what else? Satan throws some obstacles in our way. I'm friends with a lot of pastors on Long Island. If I could just take a second and say, this is a really exciting time to be a Christian on Long Island because there are so many phenomenal churches on this island right now. But I'm friends with all these different pastors. And you know what I know about every single church on Long Island? We all have obstacles in our way. Every single one of them. In fact, some of these guys have confided in me some of the things that are going on in their churches. And I'm just going to share a few. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to. They confided, right? But... I can tell you this, we've got some churches who are having some upsets in their staff, some people are leaving, some pastors are taking off, we have some churches really struggling financially, we have some churches trying to add on to their space, and, and the, the town's giving them a really hard time with permits and stuff like that, we have some churches who have run out of parking, like we, we had that problem, and, and so every single church on Long Island has some kind of obstacle. Our obstacle is we don't have our own building right now, right? We're, we're portable right now, and I've had some conversations with a few of you guys and some of you guys are wrestling a little bit with that. And so I figured, you know, I had some helpful conversations, I hope, with a few people who have kind of brought this up to me. But I would guess there are more people who maybe are struggling with that thought, too. Man, I just wish we had our own home right now. I just wish we had our own building, man. I, like, we're portable right now. It's a little bit tricky. And so today, I, I hope to just encourage you through some of that. Maybe some of you guys are sitting here thinking, you know what? It kind of feels like we were doing pretty good at, back at uh, 787 Nesconset Highway, that beautiful building that we, we hold with fondness in our heart. But but is this going to mess us up? We're going to work through that a little bit here today because Satan loves to throw those obstacles in our way. Another thing Satan throws at us is persecution, right? And in America, thankfully, we've had a long history of religious freedom. But man, you start to feel things heating up a little bit, don't you? And so some of us may look at that and go, man, is God going to win in all of this? Like, are the offenses in the church going to stop us? Is this portable thing going to mess us up? Is, is the persecution that sometimes goes on in our lives, is that going to mess us up? And then what about our personal lives? Like, that's great and all, Doug, about the church, but I don't really care. Some of you guys would say, I'm just so addicted to something, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Forget the church. I'm so guilty about the things I've done in my past. I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I have so much doubt in my life about if Jesus really rose back from the dead or not. Am I going to be okay? And so today, we're going to talk about all these grenades that our enemy throws at us. We're going to answer the question, does God win when it comes to to the church around the world, when it comes to this church, when it comes to our personal lives, does God win? Because Satan hates that you're here right now. Satan hates that you and I have a relationship with Jesus because eternity is on the line. And if we as the church function like we could and should, then we're going to win souls for Jesus. And Satan hates that. But he also hates the fact that you and I get closer to God. He hates the fact that you and I have a relationship with Jesus. And so he does all he can to sabotage that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you walked away from church because of some obstacle, some hurt, some offense. Or maybe you walked away because of some doubt or some guilt or some addiction in your own life and you just thought, I'm not getting this right, so I might as well just give up. And so today, I want to talk about these emotions and these fears and these different things that we're working through and just answer this simple question, does God win? Because sometimes if we're honest, it doesn't feel like it. And so Let's look at a powerful story in Matthew chapter 16 today. Jesus is just going to give us tons of hope. I hope that you will walk out of here just taking a deep breath today. 
And so we're going to look at Matthew 16 and verse 13. It says this. Now, when Jesus had come into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So there's Jesus hanging out with his disciples, and they're walking through town, and they have this little discussion. And Jesus just says, hey, what's the word on the street about me? Who does everybody say that I am? Who do they think I am? And so some people say, well, they think you're this guy or that prophet raised back from the dead. But look at what happens next. It says here, he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter starts out with this huge identifier, like, Jesus, I know who you are. They might say you're John the Baptist reborn. They might say you're Elijah reborn, but I know who you are. You are God in the flesh. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you could just tune in for a second here, this is so important for you. You see, if God had brought, you know, Elijah back from the dead, cool miracle, but Elijah was just a man. If God had brought John the Baptist back from the dead, cool miracle, but, but John's just a man, right? No, this is God in the flesh come to rescue you and me. See, we have this sin problem in our lives. And we need a rescuer, a savior. And so Peter identifies Jesus. He says, hey, I, I know who you are. You're the savior of the world. And he said, what does this have to do with all the stuff we're talking about, Doug? All these grenades Satan's kind of throwing and this whole battle going on. Does God win? Doesn't God win? All that. Well, look at what happens next. It says this in verse 17. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus goes back to Peter, and Peter's name was sometimes Simon, sometimes Peter's full name is Simon Peter Bar-Jonah. And Bar-Jonah just meant his dad's name was Jonah. So Jesus uses Peter's full name, like, hey, Peter, pay attention. Remember when you were a kid, some of you kids here in the room, you know this, right? When your mom calls you by your full name, you got total attention, right? I do something stupid as a kid. My mom would be like, Douglas, Bruce, Jensen. And it was like, yes, ma'am. You know, I was just, ooh, yes, my middle name is Bruce. I didn't like it either. But then I realized I'm Batman and the Hulk, so back off. <laughs> but P- Jesus is saying, Peter, Peter, listen in, bro, listen in. God revealed this to you. And, and, and not just that, Peter, but there's something important I have to tell you. And we're going to read verse 18. It's a really misunderstood verse, so hang in there. It's just so important we get this right. Verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people have thought for a long time that Jesus was looking at Peter saying, Peter, you know what? I'm going to build my church on you, man. You are my man for the job. I'm going to build the church on Peter. And Peter went out, and he was a great disciple. He was a great apostle. He did build some of the church. But Jesus is not saying he's going to build the church on Peter. You see, this is where it gets confusing. Peter's name meant rock. And so you see how it says, you are Peter, and on this rock I build my church. People say, oh, well, that must mean he's talking about Peter there, right? No, but something interesting happens. You see, when you study this a little bit more, you begin to find out that when Jesus said the word Peter, which meant rock, he used one word for him. But then when he said, I'm going to build my church on this rock, that word rock he used is a completely different word for him. It doesn't refer to a name anymore. And so can you imagine with me, maybe Jesus is saying this to Peter. On this rock, on this rock, pointing at himself, Peter, your, your name may mean rock, but on this rock, I will build my church. And what I want you to really focus on are those words, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. Can I ask you a question? If Jesus is saying he's going to build the church on himself, can you imagine anybody, anybody better to have this church built on? Right? Can I just tell you something today? Let's celebrate this. Let's make a little banner. We're going to put this up on the truss. This church is not built on Doug Jansen. This church is not built on me. Thank God for that. If there's anything I learned this year, more than ever in my life, it's that exactly. This church is not built on me. 
not built on our staff, not built on our elders, our band, our volunteers, even our members or attenders. This church is built on Jesus. And this verse isn't just talking about our church. It's talking about the church that exists from the time Jesus spoke those words till he returns all around the world. I don't know about you, I can't carry that church on my shoulders. Your favorite preacher can't carry that church. Furtick can't carry that. JP, Tim Keller, John Piper, Beth Moore, I don't know who you're listening to. They can't carry the church. And so this church is built on Jesus. But you know what's cool is this. The church is built on Jesus, but it's made up of you and me. The church is built on him, but, but you and I get to be these important pieces of this church. And I love that Jesus uses the word my. I will build my church. Do you know what that tells me? He really cares about this. He really cares about what happens in this place and in the churches around the world. He doesn't say, I'm going to build a church. He doesn't say, I'm going to build the church. He says, I'm going to build my church. This really matters to me. And if I could just pause for a second and say this, why does that matter to you? Because if this is Jesus' church, then that's why we should get along. If this is Jesus' church, that's why we have to push past the fence. And we have to get over our stuff with each other. I say this all the time. We're going to hurt each other. It's going to happen. You don't get a few hundred people in a room and not get hurt. But because this is Jesus' church, we look at each other and we go, man, I really disagree with you. Man, even maybe I really kind of dislike you, but I'm going to love you anyway, and I'm going to work through that hurt, and I'm going to work through that pain because this is Jesus' church. And so maybe you came in here today and you thought, man, maybe this is my last day here. Maybe this is my last day trying this out because so-and-so comes to the same church, and when they walk in, man, my blood just boils. Okay? But this is Jesus' church, and this is really, really important what he's building here. And so that's why we got to look past our offenses, and we choose to love, and we choose to forgive, and we choose to continue to belong to his church. This word church is important. It's one of the only times Jesus ever uses it. I think there's two other times in the whole New Testament Jesus uses this word for church. And what's so cool is Jesus is announcing something new here, guys. He's announcing, I'm going to build something that doesn't exist. See, back in Jesus' day, yeah, there were religious sites, there were temples, and there were different places, synagogues, people would gather, and there were these holy places, but there wasn't a church. And Jesus says, I'm going to create this gathering of my followers And man, something powerful is going to happen. And I want to say something to you if you're here today and you're struggling that we don't own our own space right now. Because this is really important. Would you read this with me? When Jesus started the church, he took the emphasis off the place and put it on the people. That's important for you and I as we struggle with this, as we wrestle with this. Where are we going next? How's this all going to work out and play out? Should we have just stayed where we were? Jesus took the emphasis off the place and put it on the people. See, the people of Jesus, they were all about the temple and the synagogue. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That is where we go. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm going to take it from being that place to being who you are. You are now the church. The church is you. The church is the people. The church isn't Doug. The church isn't this building. The church wasn't 787. No, the church is us. We could do this in Wendy's and be all right. Because this is the time you're like, let's do it, right? (laughs) All right, let's go, right? But this is what it's about, us, the relationships here in this place, us being the people of God. So be encouraged today. Guys, you think I want to get here and set up? You think I want to? No, no one's more excited about home than me. No one's more excited about a permanent place than me. But right now, we look around and go, okay, we're the church, right? 
And so we get to be a part of something really, really powerful. And if you're struggling with this obstacle that we have kind of thrown at us right now, I'm so, so sorry, man. I want to tell you, this was not the plan. This was not the goal. In fact, Pastor Ramon will tell you, about five years ago, we're sitting in Buffalo Wild Wings, our staff, and we're just talking, and we're like, you know what, that construction is probably coming sooner than later, and we could probably start thinking and talking about what we're going to do next. And we're sitting at the table, and we're all eating, and I remember I made this statement. I said, guys, let's promise each other something. Let's promise each other that no matter what happens, we will never be portable. Everyone said, oh, yeah, man, let's totally, yeah, 100%, yo, let's, let's make sure because that would just be so hard, difficult, let's absolutely, and God just laughed and passed the wing, give me, a, give me one with some mild sauce, let's talk this through, guys, right? Because here, this wasn't the plan, guys, and I, I'm so sorry if this has been hard for anybody, but Jesus is building his church, and he took the emphasis off the place, and he put it instead on you and me. And here we are 2,000 years later, still his church, built on him, the rock. And then it goes on. He says this, on this rock I will build my church. And you ready for this? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is going, I'm going to build my church. You can throw doubt, Satan. You can throw offense. You can throw guilt. You can throw addiction. You can throw portable. You can take this. You can do that. You can whatever you're going to do, persecution. But Jesus says, I'm going to make sure this thing goes to where it's supposed to go. I'm going to make sure that the gates of hell will not prevail. It will not work. And if I could just remind you and I of a few things Satan tried to do to stop this before it even started, right? Little baby Jesus, Savior of the world, God in the flesh, born to humanity. And what's one of the first things that we read about that story? king named Herod, who found out that Jesus had come, and he was threatened by this little baby, because some prophets said, this little baby's going to do some important things, and so he tried to hunt this baby down and kill it. Didn't work. Fast forward about 30-something years, and Jesus is hanging up on a cross, and he's taken off that cross, and he's placed in a grave, and Satan is thinking, I stopped it. I won. I prevail. But Jesus rose back from the dead. Historical event. And fast forward a little bit more, and, and Jesus is now ascended to heaven, and the church is rolling a little bit. The church is getting going, and this guy named Paul is out there, and he's preaching, and he's really powerful, and he's praying for the sick, and they're being healed, and some amazing things are happening. And then look at this. Would you read this with me in Acts 14? Look what Satan kind of threw. Look at this grenade, verse 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up, went back into the city. The city he just got dragged out from. The city he just got stoned in and dragged out from went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to the place he got stoned in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. So there they are. They, they got Paul. Paul was like the, the guy. And they're throwing stones at him. And he drops down. And they think he's dead. And Satan goes, I did it. I did it. I stopped this church. I stopped. I took out their main guy. Paul gets back up. Goes right back to the same place. And strengthens the people in that area. And encourages them. Probably with blood all over his body. Don't you back down. Don't you stop. Because this church is going to roll on. And so if you're here today, and you've got some offense in your heart, 
you've got some difficulty in your heart. You're struggling with not having a building. You're struggling with some of the, the relationships. You're struggling with maybe some of your own personal guilt or your own doubt or any of that stuff. Can I just encourage you today that if stones and a cross couldn't stop this, then some offense and being portable for a while won't either. And if I could just encourage you on a personal level, if you're wrestling with doubt, if you're wrestling with guilt, if you're wrestling with addiction, that the scripture tells us that the one who started this work in your life and my life is going to finish it, that the one who loves you and has called you is going to turn all things in your life for good and for his purpose, that the one who's in you is greater than the one that's in the world. And so I don't know what sort of grenade's been blowing up in your life lately. I don't know if it's been a fear of what's going on in the world around us or what's going on in this building or some offense that's taken place or maybe the thought of persecution in the future or some struggle you have personally. But can I just tell you something? Can we just celebrate? Actually, we will make a banner for this maybe. And it's just two words. And it's what I want you to take with you this week. And it's just this, God wins. Can we just celebrate around that today? God wins no matter what it is in your life that you're, you're looking at and you just think it's too big. God wins in it. And God will win in the church at large around the world. And God will win in this church. And God will win in your personal life. And so let's talk a little bit about this for a minute. He's not going to let the gates of hell prevail. He's not going to let this church or the church, let's start there, be run down. The funny thing about God's church throughout history is it's almost like the more you poke it, the stronger it gets. The darker it gets, the brighter it shines. And so be encouraged today. Take a deep breath. And God wins when it, it comes to this little part, this little room here full of people that we call our church. He's going to prevail. Division isn't going to prevail, and offense isn't going to prevail. And I just got to say this. I think sometimes we confuse why we're here, why we're alive, the point of our lives. Sometimes we think the point of our lives is to protect and preserve ourselves, you know? So we get hurt, and we stop putting ourselves out there. But that's not the point of our lives. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. The staff was at a one-day conference recently, and, and the speaker of this church down in Texas, who's got like probably 30,000 people in this church, said, you know, guys, uh, uh, there was a study done, and the average person is betrayed seven times in their life. The average pastor is betrayed seven times a year. And I thought, man, what a great career path I chose. <laughs> this is hard sometimes, guys. We've got a bunch of people who are broken, and we want to be like a hospital for the hurting. And so we're going to hurt each other sometimes. But we keep putting ourselves out there, right? Because the point of our lives is not what we might think it is. See, the point of our lives isn't to preserve ourselves, it's to spend ourselves for the cause of Jesus. And when we get that in our hearts, we begin to go, oh, okay, so this church could have a great impact, impact on this area if we can push past some of the offense and some of the disagreements we might have. Great, let's get to it. It's not going to be easy. No, not all the time. It's not always fun. But it's why we're here. And so we spend ourselves for the cause of Jesus. So we forgive for the cause of Jesus. And we push past the offense and the, dis, you know, the disagreement or the disapproval or the, whatever it is for the cause of Jesus. And I just love that Jesus said, man, the gates of hell aren't going to prevail. They'll try, man. They'll try. Satan's going to be throwing grenades all day. And that's why we've got to be ready. And that's why we've got to know this. God's chosen the church to be a place where he does some of his greatest work. You ever think about it that way? Like the person in this room that annoys you is maybe here to make you more loving? make you more forgiving, make you more like Jesus. So God often does his greatest work inside a room just like this. And so I encourage you to work it out and figure it out and push through it. Obstacles with this building and being portable shall not prevail. 
They will not prevail. I don't know if you've noticed this. If you've driven by the old building recently, did you notice that construction that they started? Did you notice where it stopped? It stopped just past our church. Just past our church. I know the guy who was the head of that project. They took the money that they were going to use to finish the project out to Port Jeff, and they gave it to another place, and they're done with that construction now. And so I can only imagine that God was trying to give us a hint. I can only imagine that God was, was up in heaven, he's calling some angels over, going, you know, you, know, you know Living Word, man? I love Living Word. I love what God's doing there, but, but you know what? I've got more for them to do than what they can accomplish in that little building. So, so we're going to take their parking away. Angels go, how are we going to do that? What, what should we do, Jesus? Should we, should we, you know, I don't know, maybe they'll build some, like, shelters on the side of the road for some people that need help, or maybe they'll, they'll, they'll put in some wells, and they'll take that water, and they'll go and, and give clean watering, water to people who need it. And God goes, no, I, I got a better idea. A bike path. <laughs> and the angels said, but Jesus, no one rides the bike on the side of 347, and that's constant highway. <laughs> And God said, I know, we're going to do it just to drive Doug crazy. <laughs> and then the angel said, well, okay, so we'll stop the bike path right at the end of Lake. And then God said, no, Doug's crazy enough to have them walk a few miles to get back to the building. So about Gibbs Pond Road will do it. <laughs> it's over. And I just wonder, maybe that was the nudge we need, right? The nudge to get us here. And you know what? It's difficult sometimes, right? There's some things about being portable, not having our own space that just straight up stink. I mean, having to set up so much, right? So we get here on Friday at Friday o'clock, or Friday o'clock, it's a new one, Friday at 4 p.m., and we have our setup team here, and we have to set up all this stuff, but we get to leave a lot of this on the stage set up. Huge blessing. Before 4 p.m., we got a, a crew of people here. Do you know that half of our setup team on Fridays is kids ages 10 to 15, and they come and set up these chairs with our adult volunteers and our staff, and they set up the curtains, and they get the signs out and the kids' ministry stuff out. And we have an awesome setup team. And then we have an awesome teardown team on Sunday nights so people just stay. And you know what? It stinks that this isn't ours, but we're on it, man. We've got several realtors out there looking. I'm on LoopNet. I was on LoopNet till about 11 o'clock last night looking at buildings, trying to figure out what's next, trying to figure out how this is all going to work out. And we're scouring the earth. We're going to get there. And you know what? It might be kind of like inconvenient that we can't always have access to this place. And, but we're working on that too for, for as long as we're going to be here. We're, we're trying to work out more opportunities to be in this room so we can do stuff like deeper and manly brunches and, and uh, community group stuff here in this place and maybe even some office space. So we're, we're, we're working on making this feel like home for as long as we're here. And so if, if you're wrestling through that, man, I'm so sorry that that's been an obstacle for you. But I just want you to know our heart for you is, is that we are the church and, and we are going to keep going. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. And if I'm honest, while it's tough, I've got some friends who are portable, and if, if, if you're looking at it from a portable perspective, we're incredibly spoiled here. Like some of my friends, they get at their, the movie theater or the hotel they're renting at like 5 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And they set up, and then they have the place for about four hours, and they have to tear it all back down. They only have access to that place for like that six hours, seven hours on Sunday morning. That's all they get it. So some pastors have actually come and visited what we're doing here, and they're like drooling. Wow, this is amazing. And so we're, while it's difficult, we're really blessed here. You know what's really cool, guys? Some, some of the people in the room here used to hear me talk about being portable and this, but 
Some of you have only known us here. Like God has drawn dozens of people since we've only been here in this space. And, and one name that stands out, I asked if I could share this story, is, is Carol. Carol was sitting at home just before Easter, and she got an invitation card in the mail. And remember those invitation cards I sent out with all the wrong service times on them? That one, yeah. The ones you don't let me forget about. Still, you cut me slack. I'm still recovering because God built the bike, bike path just to make me crazy. So just. But Carol's sitting there, and she told me later that she's going through the mail, and the car jumped out at her. And so she started coming, and, and she was here for several weeks through Easter. And, and I would always greet her, and she'd bring her daughter and her granddaughter. And one day I went over to her, and I said, Carol, how you doing? And, and her eyes filled up with tears. And I said, what's going on? She said, I'm burying my husband today. And I said, what do you mean? She, he passed away this past week, and the burial is later today. But I had to come here first. You know, Carol told me a few weeks later at a member meeting that if that card had come after she lost her husband, she never would have come. That that card came at the perfect time. And so guys, God's using us here. There's a reason we're in this room right now. And you know what? The, the promise that Jesus makes that, you know, God's going to build his church, gates of hell, we're not that's not just to our specific church. That, it doesn't mean Living Word Church will endure under that name until all time and Jesus returns. And, but God really cares about you. And God really cares about us. And God really cares about what's happening here. He really loves us. And something our staff always encourages each other with is this, that God hasn't brought us this far only to abandon us now. And so I just want to encourage you today, if, if this portable thing's been a stress to you, first, I want to say I'm sorry, but second, I want to say, hang in there. Hang in there. Because God is going to continue to move this forward. Persecution shall not prevail. Satan's going to throw his grenades. Persecution shall not prevail. It will not wear down the church. It has not historically, and it will not, and there's grace for you and me when we find ourselves in those circumstances. There's strength. There were times in Scripture when Paul was like, man, God, I'm kind of freaking out about this, freaking out about that. But then when he went through those situations, he had what he needed because God gave him the grace that he needed. And so don't lose sleep over that because God will prevail. And guys, if I could just encourage you on a personal level, your doubts, your guilts, your addictions, they will not prevail. God has you. God will continue his work in you. He is the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And so how do we respond to all this? Well, let me just hit each category. If offense has gotten to you, then the, the question to ask is, how do I work through this, Jesus? Who do I have to forgive? Who do I have to, because this is your church, and this matters because it's yours and it belongs to you. I mean, if this wasn't your church, Jesus, if this wasn't such a big deal because you weren't the head of it and it wasn't built on you, then maybe I wouldn't have to forgive. Maybe I'd just walk away. But this is your church, and so this matters, and this is bigger than me, and it's bigger than that person that hurt me. So who do I have to forgive? Who do I have to work through this conflict with? If you're wrestling with the, the portable building stuff, if I could ask you two things. First of all, help us make this feel like home as long as we're here. Help us. And we got Jenga out there. <laughs> we got some games out there. We're trying to make our kids' ministry more and more home. We're trying to make this room more and more home. We're trying to get it more often so it feels more and more like home while we're here. And so help us make it feel like home while we're here. But secondly, pray for that new space. Let's pray and ask Jesus, oh God, give us that new building sooner than later, Lord. Come through for us 
in an awesome, awesome way. If persecution is getting to you, I think you and I just bring our fears to Jesus. God, sometimes I sit and I lay awake at night and I think about what could happen because I call myself a Christian. But God, I'm just going to present that fear to you and I trust you with it. And if your doubt and guilt is getting to you, then know that God has you. You know, the illustration I always love to use with God is like I picture a little kid, I picture a tiny little one, and, and they have their hand on, on their dad's, you know, hand and, and kind of like holding hands, walking down the street, but, but they've got sort of like a, a light grip on dad, you know? But dad's grip on them is so strong. Maybe they've got a, a little finger hold on dad, but, but dad's got a, a strong grip back. On them. And I'm telling you, some of us, we've got that little, that little grip on God right now. It's like, man, I'm just hanging on with all that I have and with all that I can and continue to just make it. But God has you. God's grip is so great. And if we hang in there, guys, you know what we get? We get to be a part of this awesome thing called the church. This amazing thing Jesus created. And you know what? Sometimes it's hard, but church is a great blessing. I mean, I don't know about you, but during that first worship set here this morning, man, my soul and my heart were so refreshed just as we worshiped together. You know, you could take like all the entertainment we try to numb ourselves out with during the week. You could take all the stuff we try to do to distract ourselves from our pain. You could put that all in a big pile and just, you know, balance that next to what happened in your heart during 15, 20 minutes of worshiping Jesus today, right? Maybe some of you have been, you know, wrestling with all this stuff I've brought up today for weeks and weeks and weeks. And just in 30 minutes, we can hear from Jesus that, He's going to build his church and that he wins and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail. I mean, the church is so powerful, not because of us, but because of him. And so we get to belong to the church, God's amazing church that Jesus died to create, that he rose back from the dead to create. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, you heard that you need a savior. You heard that you need a God. You heard that God came in the flesh to rescue. You heard that all of hell came against him, but he won anyway. And he wants to win for you. And so if you want to put your trust in him today, ask him to be your savior, ask him to forgive you of your sin, then I would encourage you to pray with me in just a minute. But I'm just praying that you'll take a deep breath as you walk out of this place here today. Yeah, Satan's real. Yeah, he hates us. But God wins. Let's pray. God, would you help us, Lord? As the enemy loves to throw all kinds of stuff at us, Lord, as he, as he hates what we're doing right now, as the enemy hates the church, as he hates this church, as he hates your church around the world, and he, he tries all he can to stop it, we just celebrate those two words, God wins. And so, God, would you help us through this? Would you just pray with me through some stuff now for a minute? If, you, if you're here today and it's been offense, it's been division, it's been difficult relationships that have been sort of that struggle of, for you recently? Would you pray through that? Would you pray for the person that you're mad at right now? Would you pray for the person that there'd be reconciliation? Would you pray for your own heart that you'd be able to forgive? If you're wrestling with this whole portable and this building issue, would you, would you bring that to Jesus today? And would you ask him for the grace to be able to help make this place feel like home as long as we're here? But, but also pray for our new space. If you're fearing persecution, would you present that to Jesus right now? Would you ask him for the strength that you need in the moment? And if you are just feeling like you're never going to make it because of your own shortcomings, your own doubt, your own guilt, your own addiction, 
then would you just surrender whatever that is to God? God, I'm filled with doubt right now. Would you show me how real you are? God, I am filled with guilt right now. Would you show me how loved and forgiven I am? God, I'm filled with these addictions that seem to own me, but your word says that you are greater, you are bigger, you are stronger. So would you pray through that now? If you're not a follower of Jesus, and you want to begin that, that conversation with him right now, would you just pray something like this? Jesus, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for dying on a cross brutally for me. Thank you that you love me, that you want to forgive me, that you want to save me. God, I just turned from my sin today, and I, I ask you to help me live a new way. And I thank you for your incredible love for me. Show me how real you are. God, root me in your church. Bless me with people who can walk through this with me. Help me get nearer to you. 